Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. So let me see, I got one in New York, two in Philadelphia. There's three, no, three, because I got one granddaughter who is, I don't know. For the first time in its history, the US has an octogenarian president. Yes, Joe Biden turned 80 in November last year, making him the first to break that age barrier while in the top job. But he is far from being the oldest politician in Washington. In the past few weeks, some of the elder statesmen and women of the capital have been showing some concerning health signs that has many wondering, how old is too old to run a country? We look into what's known as a gerontocracy, where the older generations control the politics and the power, and whether there is a too old cutoff, or whether all that knowledge and experience is actually priceless when it comes to keeping a country running. But first, a new headlines for Tuesday, August 8. The Matildas have defeated Denmark 2-0 at the World Cup. Strikes from Caitlin Ford and Hayley Rasso with little help from Mary Fowler, putting them through to the semi-finals. Of the teams left in the other side of the draw, Australia has yet to face off against the Netherlands or Japan since Tony Gustafsson became coach two years ago. But he remains confident that his side's united approach and the fact they genuinely go out to play for each other goes a long way to their success. Superstar striker Sam Kerr started the game on the bench and played just 15 minutes. The crowd gasping when she slipped and fell, many concerned about the calf injury that has kept her from the field so far, but she got back up and played on. A woman who served her family members meals containing a deadly mushroom in Victoria has denied doing so on purpose. The 48-year-old, the daughter-in-law of one of the couples poisoned by the meal, three people later dying in hospital, says she didn't know what had happened, that she loved the two couples and is devastated that they're gone. She's believed to be separated from her husband but is still on good terms with him. Investigators say the symptoms are in line with someone who'd eaten a death cap mushroom, but this is still to be confirmed. The woman's children who didn't eat the same meal have been taken into care as a precaution as the incident is investigated. Police are keeping an open mind as they investigate the deadly fire in Queensland's Moreton Bay that killed six people. Investigators have begun removing the bodies and will now look for the cause of the blaze that ripped through the Russell Island home, killing 34-year-old Wayne Godinay and five young boys aged between 11 and 3 on Sunday. The children's mother and another woman managed to escape the fire, witnesses reportedly seeing Mr Godinay running back into the building to try and save the boys. Police say they are yet to determine whether the fire is suspicious or not, but that they are investigating whether Mr Godinay, who was known to police, was allowed to be at the house, saying police had been called to the address previously. 
A former BHP FIFO worker has been jailed for five years for sexually assaulting a colleague on a mine site in WA in 2020. Ryan Zabaznow was found guilty back in May of sexual penetration without consent at the Pilbara mine. The victim, who'd passed out after a day of heavy drinking, described how she'd cried after waking up while it was happening, but didn't fight back, fearing what would happen to her if she did. Outside court after sentencing, the woman said she was proud that her story had sparked a parliamentary inquiry into sexual assault and harassment within the WA fly-in, fly-out industry. A US judge has dismissed Donald Trump's defamation counterclaim against writer E. Jean Carroll. Trump sued Carroll after the former Elle magazine columnist said, oh yes he did, when asked on CNN about the jury's finding that he had not raped her. He also objected to Carroll recounting how she'd told his lawyer he did it and you know it soon after the verdict was read. The judge had previously found convincing proof that Trump deliberately and forcibly penetrated Carroll with his fingers, causing immediate pain and long-lasting emotional and psychological harm. Judge Kaplan saying the verdict reflected that Mr Trump raped her, thus establishing against him the substantial truth of Miss Carroll's rape accusations. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. When you look at the ages of the world's politicians, there's a distinct generational gap. When you do a quick whiz around Europe, for example, you'll find Ukraine's leader Vladimir Zelensky is 45, the UK's Rishi Sunak is 43, and Italian leader Georgia Maloney is 46. Until very recently, Finland had their youngest leader yet in Santa Marin, who took office in 2019 aged 34. Down our neck of the woods, Anthony Albanese turned 60 this year. New Zealand's PM Chris Hipkins is 44, and he obviously took over from Jacinda Ardern, who in 2017 became the world's youngest female head of government at just 37. In South America, the generational change is underway, with Chilean voters bringing in their first millennial president, Gabriel Boric, last year at age 35. Costa Rica also elected a young leader in Carlos Alvarado, who was 38 in 2018, and in 2019, El Salvador elected 38-year-old Nayib Bukele, Last year's Colombian presidential election fielded six candidates who were all under the age of 50. But that generational shift isn't happening in all areas around the world. Over in China, Xi Jinping is 70. Russian leader Vladimir Putin is also 70. While the age of African leaders ranges from early 70s through to their 90s. In the US, there were concerns last week when 90-year-old Senator Dianne Feinstein, sitting in a Senate Appropriations Committee markup of appropriation bills, started to read out a speech in support of the defence spending bill when she was only required to say aye or nay in response. That's an increase of $26 billion for the Department of Defence and it funds priorities. Yeah, just say aye. OK, just... Aye. Thank you. 
The week before, 81-year-old Senator Mitch McConnell froze mid-speech during a press conference, staring at the collected press in silence before appearing disorientated and then leaving the podium. Uh, We're on a path to finishing the NDA uh, this week. It's been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of... President Joe Biden was the oldest person ever elected as a first-term president when he took over in 2020. After the 2024 election, depending on the results, he'll be 82, which means by the end of a potential second term, he'll be 86. There are some who say he shows in some of his public appearances that he isn't up for the job. For example, he's tripped going up and down the stairs into and out of Air Force One multiple times and fell on stage at an Air Force graduation ceremony. He recently walked off the set of an MSNBC interview before the journalist Nicole Wallace could wrap it up. And he's confused Iraq and Ukraine at least twice. Has Vladimir Putin been weakened by recent events? It's hard to tell, but he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. He's called Indian leader Narendra Modi the leader of China. He ended a Connecticut address with God Save the Queen, despite the US not being a member of the Commonwealth. All right. God save the Queen, man. He's forgotten how many granddaughters he has. My oldest granddaughter is named after one of my daughters who I lost in an accident a long time ago. So let me see, I got one in New York, two in Philadelphia. There's a three. No, three, because I got one granddaughter who is, I don't know. (laughs) You're confusing me, but they're all around. He's called the South Korean president the wrong name, and the list continues. But despite these missteps and confusion, his most recent physical saw his doctor declare him again fit for duty. And there's no doubting that Joe Biden has a lifetime of experience in the political sphere that puts him above many others in the knowledge required to be the head of the world's largest economy and a considerable military might. A poll by CBS News in the US last year found that 73% of Americans agree that there should be a maximum age limit for elected officials. Support for the age cutoff spans across party lines and is consistent amongst age groups. Although surprisingly, it's the younger respondents to the poll, aged 18 to 29, who were the least in favour of the age limit, at 68%. But how do we call it when someone's health due to ageing is getting in the way of doing their job? What if we put in place an age cap that stops us from experiencing the knowledge that someone older than that would bring? John Barron is a journalist and broadcaster who's written for publications including The Washington Post and is the co-host of the ABC program Planet America. John, why is it that US politicians don't seem to be making way for the younger generations? It does tell us something very important about the American political system. The power of incumbency, the level of experience that is required to win a statewide race if you're going to become a United States senator, and the fact that once you get elected as a senator, for instance, and those are most of the oldies are in the Senate, you serve a six-year term, whereas members of the House of Representatives are elected to a two-year term, and you look at them, and on average, they're a lot younger, and they don't tend to hang around nearly as long because it's hard work. It's a pretty cushy job in the United States Senate. And then, of course, there's the presidency itself, which is a four-year term, and often, of course, it's seen that you need to be a fairly wise old head to get elected president of the United States. Nobody younger than 40 has ever been 
elected to the presidency of the United States. So it is a system that for one reason or another just tends to favour older, more experienced politicians. Are there suitable young politicians kind of waiting in the wings though or is there a bit of a void there? Well, of course, there's no shortage of political aspirants in the United States. And it's not as if all of these senators and presidents in their 70s or 80s don't have plenty of potential young rivals. But those young people just don't tend to be able to beat those old people. Part of the reason, of course, is just down to money. It can cost you tens of millions of dollars to get re-elected to the Senate. Now, you only tend to be able to raise tens of millions of dollars if you know a lot of wealthy people. And with the way that wealth accumulates through people's lifetimes and through families of long-standing wealth, well, again, that tends to favour older people. So older people are donating lots of money to older candidates and older politicians to make decisions that tend to favour older people. So they ignore things like climate change and they worry about things like taxation rates. John, there have been some alarming moments concerning some of the older senators, Mitch McConnell and Dianne Feinstein in particular, and Joe Biden himself over the last 12 months or so. Does there have to come a time where we call it, where we say your age is interfering with your work leading this country and it's time to hang up the boots? It has long been suggested that there should be term limits for United States senators in particular. In the past, we've seen senators literally serve to the age of 100. The old segregationist Southern Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina was 100 when he stepped down from the Senate. Plenty have served into their 80s, even their 90s. And yes, there are legitimate questions about their physical health and their mental acuity as well. But Defenders of those wise old heads would say there is accumulated wisdom there and health is something that can fail on young people as well as old people. We have a first-term senator from Pennsylvania in John Fetterman who suffered a stroke during his Senate campaign and has suffered from serious clinical depression that has seen him hospitalised since he became a senator, possibly as a result of that stroke leading to those mental health issues as well. Now, if you're going to say that an 80-year-old who may be in declining health or having a a health challenge should be stepping down from the Senate. Well, are you going to say that a 40-year-old should as well? It's a tricky area. I know you've kind of touched on this already, but with something like this, which they're referring to as the gerontocracy, what impact does this have on America sort of as a whole when you are governed by people who are generations away from the current lived experience of the majority of Americans? Well, of course, it is very tempting to see them as a bunch of out-of-touch old fogies who just don't care about most Americans, particularly any American who happens to be under the age of about 50. And to an extent, I think that is fair. It is very easy in the Washington, D.C. bubble to get out of touch. The only people you ever seem to meet are wealthy fundraisers, people at cocktail parties and official functions, and everybody is there to serve your whims and wishes as a powerful politician. So, yeah, you do tend to lose touch. Members of the lower house, the House of Representatives, of Congress, and there are 435 members of them, they're not just younger, but they're also campaigning for re-election every two years, which means by necessity, they are in physical contact with their constituents, more like members of parliament in the House of Representatives in Australia are as well. And so you could say that those people are a lot more responsive. But similarly, 
the defence that is often made of a Senate, an upper house, is that it is a chamber of review. It is a cooling saucer. It is meant to be a little bit behind the times, a little bit like the Supreme Court. It's a way of slowing down the fevers of populism, given the political moods and whims of the day. So it's often, you'd have to say, the politicians, the Johnny-come-latelys, uh, who cause all of the problems in the American system, the Tea Party members of Congress who came in during the Obama years, and don't forget, Donald Trump, even though he was not young when he got elected president, he'd never been in politics before. You could argue that somebody like Joe Biden, who had 36 years in the Senate, eight years as vice president, was better qualified to be president. So experience counts. How do Americans feel about their Senate being as old as it is? I know CBS did a poll some time ago that many responded to saying that there should be a maximum age for anyone serving. Do you think Americans are concerned about the age of their Senate? It's fascinating to see how this debate is playing out now with Dianne Feinstein's health challenges, with Mitch McConnell's health challenges and others as well. And of course, all of this is a way of reminding voters that their president, Joe Biden, is the oldest ever person to serve in the presidency. His nearest rival and predecessor, Donald Trump, was the oldest ever person elected to the presidency when he was first elected in 2016. So age is an issue. And a lot of these discussions are a little bit of a proxy battle for saying, well, our next president is going to be really old as well. Yes, it is a valid concern. There is no doubt about it. But in a non-compulsory voting system such as the United States, when only maybe 60% of people vote, the people who do vote, guess what? They tend to be older people. They tend to be whiter people. So the people who vote get to choose the politicians. If younger people, if more diverse people want to have younger representatives, more diverse politicians, they've got to vote. When you look at the list of people who've already put their hand up to run for US president next year, there's two distinct groups. In one, they range in age from 37-year-old entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy to Tim Scott, who's 57, to the other group starting from 60-year-old Chris Christie to 80-year-old Joe Biden. So there are younger candidates being offered to those same Americans who say they want a generational change. John says it's up to them to actually change it. We have seen that if you have a young, interesting, progressive candidate like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York, she was able to defeat a senior Democratic incumbent, a member of her own party, for her seat in Congress. And now she has become a leading voice in that Congress. And even though she's barely old enough to serve as president, yet you have to be 35 to do that, she is seen as potentially a future American president. Now, she's very much the future, but of course, to get to that future, the old guys like Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and Dianne Feinstein need to get out of the way. And frankly, they're not going quietly, are they? The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Ball, with audio production by Tom Lyon. Yeah.